You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Kim Grenells of Dogman.com, and we are live down in San Antonio, Texas, and I have on the line with us Taylor Estes from Horns 24-7, and you know, Taylor, we just always believe in starting starting off with the hard questions first. What's it like to work with the man, the myth, the legend, Chip Brown, because Chip is, <laughs> Chip is the man. Yeah, you know, uh, I've worked with Chip actually at three different companies. Oh, technically four. Um, I got started in in media, working in radio, and he worked there too. So I uh, I like to kind of uh, ruffle his feathers a little bit. I always joke we do a podcast together, and I always make the comment that you know Chip Brown runs on Chip Brown time, and so you've just got to be kind of sitting there like waiting, like ready whenever he's ready to do things. But you know, he he's a honestly, one of the the best in the business. I mean, the relationships that he has, um, especially, you know, at the University of Texas are, are second to none, honestly. And um, as much as much grief as I give him, I have to give him a lot of credit because he's one of the hardest working people in media. And I, and I feel very confident in saying that. A lot of us up here are familiar with Steve Sarkeesian and a lot of us, you know, were happy for him to take that Texas job. But it kind of reminds me of um, I had a friend who took the job as a offensive coordinator at Notre Dame, and he told me that he bought a house in a gated community. And I said, well, South Bend isn't exactly the hood. Why do you need a house in a gated community? And his answer was, in case we lose a game. Is this this similar down at uh, Texas? Yeah, I mean, I would say so. I think that, you know, Texas has been in such kind of a slump, honestly, for more than a decade now. And I would say that the the fans have not gotten past the expectations of the glory years, honestly, of the Mac Brown years where Texas won, you know, 10 games for um, about 10 years straight. And so, um, yeah, I mean, Texas fans, they're, they're wanting Texas to be back. And I know that's like the off-season headline every single year is Texas back and I, I kind of joke about it I'm like I'm never saying that until I actually see this consistently because I haven't seen it much in my career but yeah I mean the the fans can be brutal definitely and uh you know taking the Texas job I think was something that Steve Sarkeesian definitely could not turn down and um you know I think that in what we had heard you know kind of Nick Saban encouraging him uh thinking he was ready to get back as a head coach um, but it's definitely not a place where you have much time to rebuild. And uh, just because, you know, fans, I think, are just kind of uh, restless at this point, waiting for Texas to be back. You know, this is the uh, what is it? He's the third head coach since Mac Brown was fired. And so, um, yeah, there, I would say definitely it's, it's probably a similar situation. And Sark's definitely not going to be giving out his home address to many people. <laughs> 
you know, when Steve Sarkeesian was hired down at USC, um, I think it's fair to say he wasn't universally accepted by the boosters and the fan base down there. They were kind of split, which kind of made things more difficult for Steve and led to a lot of issues. How is he being accepted by the boosters and the fan base? You know, I, I think that he I, I would say that I was probably pleasantly surprised by how much the boosters had accepted him. But now I say that because you know, when Charlie Strong, for instance, was hired at Texas, you know, Red McCombs, one of the most prominent Texas boosters, you know, his name is on the business school, his name's all over the University of Texas. He went on a radio show in San Antonio, actually, and talked about how he was not approving of the hire of Charlie Strong. That hasn't happened for Steve Sarkeesian. It didn't happen for Tom Herman even, too. So, you know, I think that overall, I think there was some, I wouldn't say concern, but more just kind of questions about if he, if Sark, you know, had kind of gotten over some of the demons of his past, if he really was, you know, sober and all of that. And really at the end of the day, he is, I think he's knocked it out of the park and really getting to know and getting in with the boosters that he probably needs to get in with. And I think a lot of it has to do with him being very open and honest, honestly, about his past and his mistakes. And, and he uses it as a recruiting tactic too. you know, talking to kids, he uses his own, you know, um, life experience as a way to kind of help uh, teach young men. And I think that's something that um, a lot of people find endearing. I think the boosters have found it endearing. And I do think that has worked in recruiting as well. Talking to Chip yesterday, he said something real interesting. Uh, he told me that Steve Sarkeesian is less Pete Carroll and more Nick Saban. <laughs> what, you're laughing. what did he mean by that? Yeah. So, you know, I think, uh, I think from what we had kind of heard about Steve Sarkeesian prior to him being uh, taking over the job at Texas was he was kind of laid back, you know, um, was really friendly with the media and uh, kind of like, you know, took on the Pete Carroll mentality. Then he gets to Texas and it's like shuts everything down like Nick Saban does. You know, we don't we're not allowed to speak to coordinators. We get them basically once a year. And now that Texas is in the bowl game, we got them twice this year. But, you know, we've only spoken to Pete Kwiatkowski and Kyle Flood and Jeff Banks uh, either um, two or three times, Jeff thinks we haven't gotten him at the bowl game, but you know, things like that, I think is more what he means. It's just more kind of making sure that he shuts the media out as much as possible. You know, we don't get much practice availability. We'd, um, we basically only talk to Sark for the most part. So I think that's what he means when he says he's more Nick Saban than Pete Carroll. You haven't got to talk to Jeff Choate yet. Oh, never. No, we've never, ever gotten any of the assistant coaches. We've only gotten Pete Kwiatkowski. The defensive coordinator, obviously Washington fans know him well. Um, uh, Kyle Flood, the offensive coordinator, and then Jeff Banks prior to each season for the last two years, and then you know we got Kyle Flood and uh, Pete Kwiatkowski here in San Antonio. Yeah, Jeff, but no one else. Yeah, Jeff's a treasure, by the way. Great guy, great, great, great. <laughs> Let's let's dive into the game a little bit. Um, you know, first of all, you know, the biggest thing right now is how many players from Texas are opting out? Of course, the two running backs, including the Heisman candidate and maybe one of the best players in college football, Bijan Robinson, the running back, won't be playing. And I'm sure Washington is not going to shed a tear over that. But talk a little bit about those who will not be participating. Yeah. So um, as far as people who have announced that they're not playing in the game, it's Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson the two running backs, as you mentioned, and then a linebacker, DeMarvin Overshone, um, a fifth-year linebacker who has been kind of a, a big presence on the defense. So there's definitely going to be a big absence, um, you know, from the three of them, especially, I would say, on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, 
honestly, if you look at the the way that Texas played down the stretch of the season, a lot of the reason why they won games was Sark just basically turned to Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson when um, when Quinn Ewers, the quarterback, was struggling, really connecting with some receivers, and they carried Texas to a lot of the wins this season. So the two of them, I mean, Bijan Robinson gets all of the attention, and he deserves it. Honestly, I mean, this kid is, in my opinion. I, I doubt I'll ever cover a player like Bijan Robinson because when you hear people talk about him as a person, it's legit. Like when Steve Sarkeesian says things like he's a better per- person than he is a football player, and that's saying a lot considering, you know, he was the Doak Walker Award winner for the best running back in college football. So um, that, that's absolutely true. So Bijan, you know, gets all of the attention, all of the headlines. But Roshan Johnson has really been um, a huge leader for Texas for the last two years, honestly. And um, I would say his presence may not be seen or, you know, felt a lot when you watch the games, but from the team perspective, I would say Roshan not being in the game plan is a big loss for Texas too. Give me an idea, you know, sitting up in the stands at the 50 yard line watching this football game. Tell me what this offense for Texas looks like. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be kind of a TBD right now going into this, uh, the Alamo bowl, just because Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson were such staples on the offense. And again, you know, Quinn Ewers, um, the quarterback down the stretch, he kind of struggled ever since um, basically the Oklahoma game. I mean, that was kind of his coming out party, um, you know, when Texas shut out Oklahoma this season. But he really had some ups and downs. And he is a player who has never really dealt with that, never really faced that type of adversity because he was probably always the answer, the solution and not the problem. And so, um, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see how much Steve Sarkeesian relies on Quinn Ewers in the passing game as opposed to the running game with the two top running backs not playing. But I do, I will say, you know, Jonathan Brooks, um, he is, you know, a young player. He's going to be the next in line for uh, getting the carries. And he really has had too many opportunities to show what he's done. But, you know, against Kansas, he kind of had a big coming out party in that game. So it's going to be really fascinating, honestly. It's kind of hard to talk about what this is going to look like just because Bijan and Roshan were just such key components to the offense and Quinn Ewers with the struggles he was showing, um, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see what Steve Sarkeesian does, how much faith he puts into Quinn Ewers and in the passing game. And then also how much, you know, he relies on um, some young running backs who really haven't had the opportunity to show everything that they can do. Do they have the offensive line up front? I know nothing about the offensive line. Do they have the guys who can open the holes? Do they have the guys that can protect Quentin Ewers? Yeah, they do. And I will say one thing. The offensive line for Texas this season, um, going into the year, I was one that was like, this is potentially going to be a disaster because there's two true freshmen starting on the offensive line. And when we were talking to Kyle Flood, the offense coordinator, he was also the offensive line coach yesterday, he was saying, you know, he's never, I asked him, I was like, have you ever had to rely on two true freshmen before and let alone have them kind of surpass any type of expectations that people really have on two, two true freshman offensive linemen? And he said, no. And so this is a new situation that he's even been in, but I will say the offensive line has performed at such a high level. And I would say at the end of the day, you know, whoever the running backs is, they're going to help them. And I think that's, and, and also with Quinn Ewers, you know, with the pass protection as well, but um, they've, they've done, I mean, when I, like, I was basically like, I don't know if Texas is going to be bull eligible because their offensive line is going to be a huge problem if they're relying on two true freshmen. And I was dead wrong on that because these guys really, um, exceeded the expectations. So the offensive line is, um, I would say probably a strength 
of the team. And it's going to be a strength, you know, in the future with these young guys getting quality experience and really coming along. Bijan Robinson on the field or not the guy that's going to keep defensive coordinators up at night, Xavier Worthy. And for those who aren't familiar with Xavier Worthy, uh, he's John Ross. He is uh, he he will just blow the top off the defense and he will scare the hell out of you because anytime he touches the ball, he, he's got the chance to just blow by you. Tell people about Xavier Worthy. And by the way, he was recruited heavily by Washington as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Xavier Worthy, it's kind of funny because this year I would say he's kind of had a quote unquote down year, but he's still, you know, as nine, he leads the team in um, touchdown receptions with nine touchdown receptions. But He's definitely a guy that, as you said, that can blow the top off the defense. He's so fast. He's um, he's electric with the ball in his hands. I would say he kind of, you know, he had a breakout true freshman season in 2021 was a true freshman, you know, um, All-American. Um, and so he kind of had a little bit of a sophomore slump season, but still he's still the leading receiver for Texas. And if he can get that connection down with Quinn Ewers, he, as you said, could be a defensive coordinator's nightmare that could keep you know, coaches on that side of the ball up at night, knowing the potential of what he can do. Now he hasn't shown that potential. I would say consistently this season, um, a guy that really came along um, in the receiving game is Jatavian Sanders, the tight end. You know, he has 49 uh, receptions, I think for 577 yards and five touchdowns. So he's another guy that has really come along in a, in a surprising way, honestly. Um, I think he, uh, you know, he used to play, both tight end and defensive and in high school. And so this is, he's kind of learned to become a true tight end and really has shined as a sophomore this season. So um, the two of them with Xavier Worthy, uh, he's now wearing number one. He was number eight uh, before, but with Hudson Card, the backup quarterback uh, transferring to Purdue, he was wore number one. Now Xavier Worthy is going to be number one, but number one and number zero on offense are guys that you definitely want to keep an eye on. Being a quarterback at Texas is just, I got to imagine that's just, there's so many eyeballs on you. The expectations are so high. And when you have a guy like Quinn Ewers and then you're recruiting the top quarterback in the country with the last name of Manning, tell me a little bit about that quarterback position. What's expected of Arch Manning and uh, how crazy are things with that quarterback situation looking not only at today, but down the road? Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I will, you got to give, Steve Sarkeesian and his staff a lot of credit, you know, getting Quinn Ewers, a former number one prospect in college football or, you know, in uh, the recruiting industry coming along, transferring from um, from Ohio State and then, you know, following it up, getting the other number one quarterback in the country and Arch Manning to sign with Texas. That's it's a huge credit to, I think, what people see in Steve Sarkeesian as a developer of quarterbacks. And uh, but, yeah, there's no doubt that the pressure is on that position and, Quinn Ewers has felt it this season. You know, he he was a guy that always saw success when he was at the high school level. Um, you know, he he didn't play football though for um, quite a few years. Uh, with him reclassifying to the 2021 class, you know, enrolling early at Ohio State, he didn't even get into fall camp. I think until like two or three weeks into fall camp that year, and then um, didn't play that season. Um, what people don't know, a lot of people don't know, is his junior year of high school, even he missed, I believe it was eight games because he had double hernia surgery. And so and then he came back and led um, South Lake Carroll to the state championship. But it, he kind of, you know, had some growing pains. And I, I don't think that I think with with the expectations that Texas fans have when you get a guy that's the number one player in the country in the recruiting rankings and 
Um, they expect him to be almost a day one All-American, which as a quarterback, that's not very feasible. I mean, I would think that a lot of, uh, I think a lot of offensive coordinators, if you talk to them off the record, if you say, would you want to rely on a, you know, a true freshman quarterback or, you know, a first year quarterback? And are you going to expect them to have, you know, elite numbers? We're going to say no, you know, it takes time. The That position and the offensive line, I think, are two positions that really, you know, you you learn so much and there's such a leap from the high school to the college game. So um, Quinn Ewers has learned it. You know, he's had some up and down performances. And uh, I, I think that there are some people that are kind of giving up on him. I think that's silly. I think this kid is is legit. Um, it's just he's shown some freshman mistakes. And then with Arch Manning coming in, you know, everything that we have heard, the thing with Arch is he he doesn't talk to many people. So you you kind of have to get to know people around him in order to kind of see into what Arch Manning is all about. But with him coming in, you know, the Manning family from everything that we've heard, they are wanting him to um, redshirt. That would be the ideal situation for him to redshirt, really kind of grasp the college game before he's thrown in the mix to be a, you know, um, a starter at the college level. So I think that he's going to, obviously the Manning family, the name itself says itself, you know, I mean, this is one of the best quarterback families I would say in the country in the history probably of NFL and, and the college level, but, um, you know, them putting their faith in Steve Sarkeesian to develop their, their son, I think is a, a very big testament to what, you know, they, they feel about Sark and what he can do for quarterbacks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jumping over to the other side of the ball, Washington fans very, very, very familiar with your defensive coordinator, Pete Kwiatkowski who had some great defenses at Washington and was kind of known for having a big nose tackle, such as Vita Vea, Greg Gaines up front, and then having two corners that you could leave out on an island, DBU at Washington, while Pete Kwiatkowski and Jimmy Lake were running the defense. But it looks like he's got the the horses up front with a couple of huge defensive tackles. But, boy, do they have the corners right now? Do they have those guys that you can leave out on an island? I would say, you know, one of the probably surprise not, I wouldn't say surprise, but kind of a breakout player on the defense was Ryan Watts, the cornerback who transferred from Ohio State as well. He really has stepped up in a big way. And that that position um, last year in Pete Kwiatkowski's defense was kind of a, a struggle, an issue. You couldn't leave those guys on an island. And that had a lot to do with the entire secondary. But this year, I really think that the, the secondary has turned it around in a big way. They're going to be losing a lot of guys after this Alamo Bowl game that are going to be really difficult to replace, like Anthony Cook, the safety, um, you know, uh, Deshaun Jameson. He's the other cornerback. He, whatever, some Texas fans feel like he's 
not good because last year he struggled a lot, but he's really come along this season too. So yeah, I, I think that the cornerback position is definitely one that has not been one of the woes for this defense, but um, that is a huge credit, I think, also for the guys up front that have really put you know pressure on opposing quarterbacks, getting after quarterbacks. Um, it's really a, freed up the defensive backs to play more freely, to be on an island even in, in certain situations and um, still make plays. So the cornerback position is definitely one that I'm, I wouldn't say is a huge concern. Um, you know, I think that the defense as a whole is, uh, is far, you know, exceeded expectations this season. And, and it's a, a big credit to Pete Kukowski. I mean, he came in, you know, as a very coveted def- defensive coordinator. I think that a lot of uh, Texas fans were kind of surprised that he came in and actually took the job after being, you know, in uh, Washington area and everything for so long. But, you know, he had a down year his first season. He was one of the last coaches hired on defense. And I think that, you know, with coaching staff, they need to kind of be familiar with him. You know, he didn't get to hire any of his assistant coaches on that side of the ball, except for Jeff Choate. So, um, you know, I think the familiarity with the staff in year two has really shown and uh, also with the players, you know, being the same scheme for two years. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a surprising thing because the last year everyone wanted Pete Kwiatkowski fired pretty much. If you talk to Texas fans, they were like, get him out of here. But now the defense, you know, has really turned it around. One of the things with Washington's offense and, you know, specifically against Oregon, guys down on the sidelines, if Washington is able to run against Oregon, that's going to be a long day for their defense. And that's where Washington has had the most success when is when they've been able to run the ball. They don't have any dynamic uh, running backs, but boy, that sure opens up the passing game. And those two big nose tackles, tell me a little bit about that and how successful Oregon, excuse me, Texas has been, you know, in stopping the run this year. Yeah. I mean, they like, a huge a, a night and day difference I would say is the best way to describe it from year one to year two um the the front of the defense has performed in a significant way I mean I'll tell you this so the second time we ever got to talk to Pete Kwiatkowski was right before the start of the 2022 season and somebody asked him last year about the lack of pass rush on this defense and or that you know um the the struggles of uh, in the pass rush and he even cut them off and he's like what pass rush because that's how bad the front of the defense was last year but they've really come along you know Keandre Coburn has had a really uh, big year Tavondre Sweat's another one Moro Ajomo I mean they have a lot of big guys up front that have really come along but another guy that I think is one to definitely watch is Byron Murphy number 90 on that defense he is kind of the the he doesn't get a lot of the public attention I would say but he's one guy to watch because when he's on his game he is an elite um you know in the pass rush especially so the front of the defense is is, um has been night and day difference I think from year one to year two under this uh, staff yeah it'll be interesting with uh the defense because the uh you know the defensive coordinator Kwiatkowski and Choate are very very familiar with a lot of those guys on the Washington offensive line which is one of the strengths of the team but when you talk about a guy like Michael Penix who's only been sacked seven or eight times all year and seems to get the ball out quickly um you know tell me a little bit about can we as Washington you know uh, fans expect there to be a pass rush and pressure on Michael Penix you know, I think that it's going to be fascinating to watch. And that's one thing that I think is probably one of the um, biggest questions going into this game, just because, you know, Texas has done really well at um, getting after quarterbacks. But as you mentioned, you know, Washington giving up so few sacks of Michael Penix. I mean, that's that's something that you can't overlook. So that's something that 
if Texas play, it's, it's hard for me to say, honestly, if, if it's going to happen because Texas has consistently really gotten after quarterbacks. However, I don't know that they've faced an offensive front like this that has been able to protect their quarterback as well. So that's, I would say, I know it's probably is not the right answer, but it's probably one of those TBD type of things to see how this goes. Um, but there's no doubt that, you know, Texas has done a really good job in the pass rush, getting after the quarterbacks, you know, uh, getting tackles for loss, things like that, that they did not do very well in 2021. So it's going to be fascinating to see how they how they uh, perform against this Washington front. Third and six, Michael Penix back to throw. How comfortable are you? Oh, that's a that's a good question. I mean, Texas has been some up and down, I think, on third downs. Um, they they've gotten much better as the season has gone on. But that is kind of the, it goes kind of back to the thing about, you know, as good as Texas has been on defense and getting after quarterbacks and getting a pass rush there they probably haven't faced a, a team like Washington that has given up so few sacks. So I would say, man, that's a good question. I, I don't really know the answer to that. I would say I wouldn't be very comfortable. Probably you better hope that you better send the house a little bit, you know, I think at that point just to see if they can get after him. But one thing I will say is when Texas has been able to get after quarterbacks, they, the front of the defense, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just their size or their you know strength or what it is, but, um, they've been able to really rattle some quarterbacks. And even Bryce Young, you know, the Alabama quarterback when Texas played them, he was nowhere near as good as what people expected him to be when uh, Alabama came to Austin. And I think that was a big credit to the defense getting after him um, early and often in that game. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be fascinating. That's going to be definitely a fascinating uh, aspect to watch of this game. Last play of the game, Texas down by two, lining up for a 43-yard field goal. How comfortable are you? Oh, man. Um, you know, it's funny because Burt Auburn, who is the uh, the field goal kicker, he's he kind of came along in a way that people weren't expecting him to. And he was pretty consistent, but he has missed a few um, in games. So I, I would probably say that's a 50-50 chance. Okay. You know, one of the things that's just making this thing so much fun is there's so many things to be undetermined with Texas and all the connections with Sarkeesian and Kwiatkowski. And it's probably going to be pretty much like a home game for Texas with, uh, what, 95? People from Seattle have had a difficult time getting here. It's been yeah. difficult. I There's not going to be a lot of Washington fans here because of the difficulty to get. But, you know, tell us just, you know, give me one last, you know, just to wrap it up. What are you expecting to see out of this game? And it's it's kind of crazy to, to try to predict what's going to be happening. Yeah, it really is. And I think a lot of that, honestly, is the without having Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. And I think it's kind of, you know, the, as the game's gone closer, I think right now Texas is still favored by three points, but um, it's it's gotten more even, you know, as the game has gone closer. I think that um, this is going to be a really good test for Texas to see kind of what the next the next um, phase of the running game is going to look like without those guys, because they've been just such uh, consistent playmakers for this offense, for Steve Sarkeesian, reliable guys, you know, leaders in the locker room, too. So their absence is going to definitely be felt. Um, you know, I, I kind of think that Texas, because it will probably be like a home game, they may have a little bit of an advantage there. But it's hard for me to really say that definitively just because of how um, how crucial and vital that B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson have been to this offense. So at the end of the day, I think that Texas 
you know, could definitely pull off the win. But on the flip side, I also could see the offense kind of breaking down a little bit without those two guys because they were just so, so critical to the success of on that side of the ball. So it's going to be a great game. There's so many storylines that we can talk about, you know, with all of the the familiarity with these two. And you don't expect that with Texas and Washington. You know, you don't expect there to be a lot of ties between those two schools. But, um, you know, I think it's I think it's going to be a really good game. And I think it's going to be a really good test. And, uh, and sign of what the, the offense may look like next year for Texas, um, especially in the run game. All right, one more tough question for you. Ready? Yeah. Will Bevo be there? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I'm trying to remember if he was there the last time they played. They, he usually does travel. Um, and I was right by when he, you know, went after Uga at the Sugar Bowl a few years ago. <laughs> so um, I, I bet he will be. Uh, I'm trying to remember the last time Texas played in the Alamo Bowl if he was there. I think it was the COVID year, so I don't know if he was there that year, but I would be pretty surprised if he's not there. Right. And he's a big thing. If you see him in person, it's, you know, it, it's, a, it's a sight to see. I'll say that. <laughs> Taylor Estes from Horns 24-7. Thanks for jumping on with us. Anytime. Thanks so much. Mount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.